0: Well, good evening. Welcome. Glad you guys are here with us. Just pretty informal. Just come on in and ask somebody to scoot down if there's not room uh, at the end. So glad you guys are here for our continuation of our series on Jesus, Muhammad, and Darwin. We are talking about uh, major world religions and how they interact. And I hope that it will help us over the course of this series get a Christian world view on what's happening in the world and a little better understanding of why it's happening in the world. But most of you probably know that uh, if you will text your questions to this number during class, we like to answer as many questions as we can. I think that number's on your handout as well. Uh, We usually start our class with a, a prayer, but tonight I wanted to show you this little stat. I got this off Axios, which is a news service. This, uh, as you can see, the dots there are maximum observed flooding down in Texas. It is amazing when you look at it that way, how much flooding it is. So as we pray tonight, we're going to remember all the folks down in Texas. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together and study and reason and think about your word and how it applies to our individual lives and how it applies to our world. Father, tonight you know and you see the needs in Texas, the incredible suffering, the loss, the anxiety. Father, just such a dreadful situation, and yet we see some of the best in humanity come out. I pray that your name would be lifted up because of the people and the hands there working in your name. I pray that you would give comfort I pray that you would intervene where you see it wise to do so, that you would preserve life, that you would preserve property, and Lord, that you would uh, work in that situation. We love you and we trust you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, we are going to, over the course of this series, we're going to dive into uh, a number of the major world religions in some detail, but before we do, let me go back and just remind you what we talked about in our first session. Our first session, we want to step back and ask the question. And each one of these sessions will be focused around answering some questions. The first question was, is the world getting more or less religious? And so we decided, and we looked at the statistics, and it turns out that despite predictions that God is dead, that science will make God unnecessary, that in fact, just the reverse has happened that the world is more religious, that religions are growing in the world, that God is not dead and the world is getting more religious. One of the reasons, if you think about this, is at the deepest level, Ross says this, and I agree with him, every human culture is religious, defined by what its inhabitants believe about some ultimate reality and what they think that reality demands of them. We looked at a chart Several of you did not like my chart last week. 2010 was not current enough for you. So on your handout, you have 2015 data. This is pretty current, you guys. This is pretty fresh. Pew Research Center, uh, I like their methodology. You may or may not agree with uh, necessarily the accuracy of the results, but you have to agree with the methodology. But you'll see there... Basically, the share of religions in the world, and I won't go through all of that. Although I did have a couple questions from last week. That, if you notice on that list, there's a section there called folk religions. Folk religions is just a broad catch-all category of various religions that are uh, kind of a, kind of a god in everything. Think uh, things like voodoo. Think things like. They will probably put na- some of the Native American religions in that category. They'll put some of uh, uh, Aboriginal religion in that category. It's kind, None of them are big enough to really make the chart, but it's kind of putting together religions that don't fit in any category. They're kind of regional, and they're just called unique to a certain little group of people. So that's what folk religions are, and they just kind of gather it together in one category. But what you see there, is kind of a breakdown of religions in the world. And we spent some time talking about that unaffiliated. You notice the third on this chart, they believe that unaffiliated people that say they are not falling in any of the traditional religions is the third largest belief system, if you will. We talked about Darwinism because I want you to think about religion as being more than some group of people that worship a god. As we go through some of the major religions, you're gonna realize they don't all have gods. That's not what makes a religion. And so Darwinism, and I'm not talking about Darwin per se, I'm talking about, based on his work, how people have taken that scientific theory, some of which is undoubtedly true, others, other parts of which have yet to be demonstrated to be true, may or may not be true. But my point is, you take that and you use it as a basis to form a belief system. When I say belief system, forming an origin story, how we got here. Darwin himself said the origin of humanity was a mystery to him. He did not know and could not explain it. But Darwinists have an origin story, a creation story, if you will. They have a way of explaining what is the purpose of humanity, what is the meaning of our lives. They believe that you are the product of random forces, not intentionally created forces. That's a belief system. That cannot be demonstrated to be true. It's an article of faith. They believe in a different view of good and evil than, say, some of the religions we're going to talk about do. They believe in a good and evil that evolves over time. And so, but it is a belief system. And I believe that it is a growing belief system in our world. And I want you to think about that. It's going to make a lot of sense in current events when you think about people that don't Label themselves with any traditional religion, many of them have a religion. It is a faith based belief system that motivates their answers to the ultimate questions of life. That's a religion. We talked about that last time a little bit. In this lesson, I want to move on and I want to answer these questions. Let's talk about this. Do all religions essentially worship the same God? This is a very popular belief and that is that basically all religions lead to the same place. We're just all climbing a mountain and we're all going to get to the top and go, oh my goodness, all religions were basically going to the same place. Secondly, when I look into how far apart are the essential beliefs of the world's major religions? Are they even compatible with one another? So both of these questions are ways of getting at a kind of a popular belief that spirituality in general and religion specifically, really all worshiping the same God. And so I'd like to talk about that and investigate it. And then at the end, I want to answer another question. And that is, does it matter if they worship the same God as long as they all produce good, peace-loving, respectable people? So those are kind of the questions we're going to answer. And to do that, I'd like to give you a short view of each of the major religions, and we're gonna go into more detail in the series. I mean, feel free to ask questions if you'd like, but we're gonna go into more detail as we get into them in the series, but I'd like you in one session to get enough of a snapshot to be able to answer these questions. And then we'll dive into some harder questions as we dive into those religions. Before I jump into that, what question do we have?
1: We have a couple of questions. What is the fastest growing religious group today and why do you think that the unaffiliated group is growing rapidly in the US and the developed world?
0: Yeah, that's a, a good question. Let me go back a couple here. Uh, the, the largest is obviously Christianity. Fastest growing at the moment is Islam, Muslims. Uh, Muslims are practitioners of Islam. So if I say Islam, that's the religion. If I say Muslim, those are practitioners of Islam. They're related words in Arabic, but. Islam is the fastest growing. The reason, I don't know that unaffiliated is necessarily growing so much, you just don't typically see it on the charts. So it may or may not be growing. Most people think that means, well, if that's growing, that means the world's getting more unreligious. My point of view is the world's getting way more religious. And some of the traditional religions are growing quite a bit. Uh, Christianity's growing, it's just Islam is growing faster. Darwinism is growing. In other words, as the world grows, it continues to be religious.
1: Would you put Scientology and Darwinism in the same category?
0: Uh, Scientology and Darwinism. I would not, probably don't have time to go into that. Scientology is an interesting little quasi-folk religion scientific system. I'm trying to be really polite here. Well, I'm really trying to be polite. Anyway, basically, Scientology, yeah, is kind of a little offshoot uh, that we probably won't go into, but good question. Okay, let's then jump into this, and I want to go through on your sheet, I have just kind of listed them, I won't go into Darwinism any more than I have at the moment, but I want you to see, again, I want you to see just enough of each religion to be able to step back in one session and go, okay, I've got a sense of this now. Is it clear to me whether or not they worship the same God? And are their beliefs compatible? So let's move through these uh, one at a time, but we'll kind of do a brief. I want to talk about the origin, the scriptures, the branches, the core biggest beliefs, and how big it is. So I'm just going to do that little mantra for each one of these. So I'm going to do this in chronological order of their founding. And so the oldest of the religions we're going to talk about is Judaism. Judaism is, if you want to say the founder of Judaism, is obviously God. I mean, that is our belief system. But if you're going to put a figure to it, Abraham is basically the first Jew. God comes to Abraham, carves out a group of people, and begins to work through that group of people. They're known as Jews. So Abraham, you can date the origin of this to 2000 BC. 2000 years before the birth of Christ is approximately is Abraham. And so Abraham is the first Jew. So we're going to just say that's when Judaism as a distinct uh, faith begins. Then about 1400, I'm using traditional dates here, about 1400 BC, Moses brings the Ten Commandments. He writes the Torah. The Torah are the first five books of the Old Testament called the Law of Moses, this belief system. So uh, founded Abraham. 2000 B.C. scriptures, obviously the old, what we call the Old Testament, are considered to be inspired scriptures for the Jewish faith. Branches of the Jewish faith today, there are, and all of these religions, every one of them has an unbelievable number of little variations, but big picture. Today you have Orthodox Judaism, you have Conservative Judaism, and then you have Reform Judaism and they go that is the scale from conservative to more liberal i'm not making a value judgment i'm just giving you an idea orthodox much more conservative conservative less so reform on the liberal end of that spectrum so those are the three major branches of judaism today basic belief the shema is the basic confession of faith of judaism Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's Deuteronomy chapter six. It's the basic confession of faith in Judaism that there is one true, real God. Everything else is an idol. And so that's the basic confession. The law of Moses, the Old Testament scriptures are considered inspired and binding. It is a religion of obedience to the law of Moses, to God. I'm painting with a broad brush here, but that's essentially the God and the key beliefs of Judaism. Judaism, there are about 10 million Jews in the world. Again, that's not an exact number, but there are not a lot of Jews in the world. It's a very small, small piece of the world pie. So that's Judaism. Going along in chronological order, let's talk about Hinduism for a minute. We'll get into this in more detail. You're gonna find this fascinating. But Hinduism doesn't have a founder, It comes out of India, about 600 BC. So we go from Abraham in 2000 BC, we're now 600 years before the time of Christ, approximately. You see Hinduism begin as basically a synthesis of a lot of different religious ideas. And Hinduism is hard to capture because there's no single God. This is kind of the Trinity, and that's a Christian word. but these are kind of the three major gods. There are a lot of gods in, in Hinduism, and there are a lot of different practices and ways of worshiping it, worshiping those gods. but they're basically you have Shiva, Brahma, the Creator, God, Vishnu, uh, the God of good, the preserver. These are and these are their traditional images and how they're characterized but basically founded around 600 B.C. or came together as we know it today around that time. The scriptures are not necessarily like you think of scripture as this is the inspired document. You have the Vedas, the Upanishads, you have uh, the Bhagavad Gita, which I brought to read you a little piece of this here in a second, but you have a number of texts over time that are considered insightful that are not authoritative in the way you think of authoritative, but they give you an insight into the ultimate reality. So a lot of different gods, and here's kind of one of the core beliefs. I'll start with this for Hinduism. This is from uh, one of the texts, the Bhagavad Gita. If you think that this self can be killed, you do not understand the subtle ways of reality. In other words, Hinduism, like every religion, including Darwinism, Christianity, is making some statements about the nature of reality, the true nature of this world and the universe. It says, just as you throw out used clothes and put on other clothes, new ones, the self discards its used bodies and puts on others that are new. Reincarnation, more specifically called the cycle of death and rebirth. Hinduism holds to this idea that we are caught in a cycle of dying and our self, we might call it a soul, but the self would be reborn in a different body, not necessarily a human body, but that we go through this cycle, we're trapped, if you will, in the cycle of death and rebirth. The idea of karma, a spiritual principle that the actions that I take in this body, myself takes, have an effect on future lives. And what happens to me in this life is affected by what I did in prior lives. So it's a way of attempting to explain the nature of reality and what's going on. And moksha, M-O-K-S-H-A, is the word for liberation from that cycle. What you and I might call salvation, but really a better way of saying it is, how do you break out of that cycle and not just have to continue to live these difficult lives over and over and over and over? And that's called liberate moksha, liberation from that cycle. And how do you do that? Well, different Hindu uh, s- systems have a little bit uh, different idea, but basically it is by your karma, by what you do and how you rightly understand the world and then your observance of the various gods. So Hinduism, very polytheistic. In other words, it has many gods, but that's kind of one of the core beliefs, and you're gonna see in some of the Eastern religions this is a common thread. The cycle of death, rebirth, reincarnation, and the essential problem of life for Hinduism is breaking out of that cycle and moving beyond this. Okay? Uh, this uh, Hinduism is prevalent in India, Nepal, and Bali, and there are about 1.1 billion Hindus in the world that hold to this faith, this belief system called Hinduism. Buddhism, very closely related, also started in India after Hinduism, so I'm gonna call it around 500 BC. These are a little bit iffy numbers because they're not exactly accurate. Buddhism, though, does have a founder. There is a likely historic personage called the Buddha. Uh, people differ on what his name was, where exactly where he lived, who he was. But he grew up in this Hindu world of India. And according to the story, the Buddha found the way to break that cycle. But Buddhism teaches slightly different things, but let me go back to my format. So founder is, is the Buddha. The scriptures, there are no inspired scriptures that are authoritative. In fact, Buddhism is known for having really difficult to understand things. Uh, in other words, you can all become a Buddha. Everyone could become a Buddha, meaning everyone could attain to breaking out of this system. But the Buddha's words, the sayings of the Buddha, are considered very helpful to you, very wise words. But there's nothing in it that says you should do this and you shouldn't do that. There is teaching of the Buddha. These are the teachings of Buddha. So I want to read you something out of that. Buddhism, though, instead of saying you just need to break out of this cycle of death and rebirth, Buddhism focuses around this key problem. What is the cause of suffering? in human existence. And so here's, uh, there are four noble truths. These are basically statements about the nature of reality. And here's what Buddha said about it. Number one, I'm just gonna talk about the first one. The world is full of suffering. That is an observable reality. The human condition is to suffer. The cause of human suffering is found in the thirsts of the physical body and the worldly passions, your desires, cause you to suffer. If desire, which lies at the root of all human passion, can be removed, then passion will die out and all human suffering will be ended. So this is the Buddha's pathway, if you will, to, to move beyond the suffering of this world and the cycle of death and rebirth, which Buddhism also holds to, the idea of reincarnation. The way to move beyond it is to recognize the reality of suffering is that you have desires and you must stop desiring anything. It's a kind of a withdrawal. And so the Buddha goes on to give the fourfold truths, this is the first one, and then the eightfold path. Here are some key ideas that should hopefully help you find your way to breaking this cycle. In Buddhism, you have several branches of Buddhism, but the two big ones are called Theravada and uh, Mahayana. Mahayana is also like Zen Buddhism is one of the pieces of that, that's what we probably know best here in the West. But they're just different versions of understanding how to do these things and how they come about. But basically, it has no God, it's focused on human suffering, the cycle of birth and reincarnation, believes very much in karma, how you live your life now, is going to affect your next life, and at some point, hopefully, you can achieve nirvana. Nirvana is liberating yourself from all the illusions you hold about the reality of this world. For example, Buddhism doesn't have any gods, but it would teach that the fact that you think that we are separate beings is an illusion. It's a dualism in our mindset If you think mind and body are different, that's an illusion. If you think you're suffering, it's an illusion to you. So Buddhism is related to Hinduism a little bit, but again, Buddhism is about 500 million people, about half the size of Hinduism, and it's spread throughout various places in the world. So Buddhism, no gods. Hinduism, a lot of gods. Judaism, one god. Let me pause there before we go on and see what questions you have.
1: Yes. And do those following Hinduism want to break from the death and rebirth cycle? And what happens if they do? What's the reward?
0: Yes. It, they uh, Hinduism, and we'll go into this in more detail when we get there, but basically, yes, it is desirable to break out of the cycle of death and rebirth. And we'll talk about their idea of what you become then. For example, Buddhists believe that you emerge into a consciousness at that point. You, be, you, uh, you see past all the illusions and you see the reality of the fact that there's just one. Everything's just one. With Hindus, it's a little bit different view of that, but it's a very desirable thing to break. Uh, to break that, and we'll talk. We'll talk about that in detail when we get into the session on Hinduism.
1: Is that the same thing then that they believe when you um, escape reincarnation? Same thing happens.
0: When you what? I'm escape sorry. Escape
1: reincarnation. Escape
0: reincarnation is that liberation from that cycle, that you're trapped in the cycle of death, rebirth, continually living your life. It's like groundhog day only not so pleasant you know it's kind of long long-term groundhog day
1: do we have people in oklahoma city that practice hinduism and buddhism
0: do we have people that practice hinduism and buddhism in oklahoma city yeah yeah we absolutely do uh we have buddhist meditations we different flavors of buddhism but yes you do have both of those faiths being practiced here along with judaism you have judaism being practiced here too
1: Is the Dalai Lama a Buddhist?
0: Is the Dalai Lama a Buddhist? Yes, the Dalai Lama is a particular flavor of Buddhism. In other words, he's a Buddhist. He would have certain basic beliefs with many other Buddhists, but Buddhism has a lot of different sub-branches and the beliefs vary uh, quite a bit. But the Dalai Lama would be one of the really famous Buddhists. That's a great question. But don't think everybody looks to the Dalai Lama as kind of the Dalai Lama. But in his area, he's big. He's huge. (laughs) Christianity. We're going along. Remember Judaism, about 2000 BC. Hinduism, 600 maybe earlier BC. 500, 550 BC for Buddhism. Now we'll move up to zero, the birth of Jesus Christ. And so Christianity... uh, has basically, you, I'm not going to talk much about this, but the founder of Christianity is Jesus Christ, named after Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That brings me, by the way, to the fundamental confession of faith of Christianity. Remember Judaism? Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Christianity, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, you are the promised one of God. You are the Son of the living God. That's a different confession of faith, isn't it? And so that's the fundamental confession of faith of Christianity. Christianity has uh, three major branches, Catholics, the various, call them Eastern Orthodox, and Protestants. Um, as you can tell, I'm painting with a broad brush. We're doing that with every one of these, but those are the big, broad distinctions in Christianity in the world. Christianity, if you remember from your chart, about 2.3 billion people. Now, Judaism, you obey the law. Hinduism, you are going to do things to that your karma will allow you to break the cycle of death and rebirth. Buddhism, you are trying to attain Buddhahood, total enlightenment and true understanding. Christianity says you have sin and God will judge and you are saved by grace through faith. I want you to see how different every one of those sounds. They're really different views of the nature of reality itself. Then finally, we'll come to, chronologically, come to Islam. Islam is founded by Muhammad, a historic personage, in 610 A.D. So 610 years after the time of Christ. So I kind of put these in chronological order because I just think that helps a little bit. Muhammad was born in 570 A.D. when he was 40 years old. And we're going to go into this, by the way, next week. We're going to talk a lot about Islam. But when he was 40 years old, he believed that he received revelations, communications from God through the angel Gabriel. And from the time that he was 40 until he was 62, when he died, he would bring these revelations From God. So from 610 to 632, when he died, he spoke these revelations. That is the authoritative scripture of Islam. It's called the Quran. The collection of those revelations to him from the angel Gabriel, which he then spoke to his followers, is called the Quran, the document that they consider to be obviously directly from Allah. Allah is just the Arabic word for God. So that from Allah gave Muhammad these uh, words to communicate to the world. Now, I have to make a little connection here because Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are called Abrahamic religions, and that is because they all look in some way to Abraham as a historic figure of God. Judaism, Abraham's the first Jew. Christianity Jesus Christ is descended from Abraham. Christianity does not consider itself to be a brand new separate religion from Judaism. It considers itself to be the fulfillment of the law, as Jesus said. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. The law and the prophets tell that this is going to happen. And so Christianity sees itself, in some sense, as an Abrahamic religion. It's related. So does Islam. Muhammad did not think He was starting a brand new religion. He thought he was restoring the original religion of Abraham. So Muhammad believed, remember he's 600 years after Jesus Christ. He believed that the Jews understood what God said to them at that time, that the Christians understood what God said to them at that time, although he, and we'll get into this next week, really disagrees with what's in your New Testament though. And so these statements he believes are God revealing to him how you're really supposed to live it looks a lot like Judaism in the sense that what is your obligation I mean what what is the goal then well the fundamental confession of faith this is very interesting to compare these of Islam is there is no God but God I mean Allah means God there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet and then the Shiites add a little something, but I'll tell you that next week. So basically, think about that. There is one God, Islam. There is one God, and Muhammad is his prophet. You must agree with that. Christianity. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. So even those are really different in some ways. So how, those are, So the sacred text of Islam is the Quran. The two big divisions, there are actually a lot of different versions of Islam out there too, but far and away the two big divisions are the Sunnis and the Shiites. Think about, I'll show you a chart next time when we dive into Islam in in more detail, is about 85% of Muslims are Sunni, approximately. About 15% are Shiite. So far and away the majority are Sunnis. Question?
1: Um, Was Muhammad a Jew before the revelations?
0: Was Muhammad a Jew before he got these revelations? No, he was not a Jew. He married a woman who was Jewish. But no, he, he was not a Jew, he was not a Christian, but he, had, he knew people who were both. In other words, he lived in a world that had Jews, had Christians around, but he was not.
1: Are there any relics of Christianity in existence, the cross or the spear?
0: Are there any relics of Christianity in existence? Okay, if anybody on the internet wants to sell you some, don't buy them, okay? Don't buy them. I'll tread a little carefully here because I understand different faith traditions do have different opinions on this. If you're Catholic, you would say, yes, there are relics. I mean, there are holy things in Christianity. If you are a Protestant, you will say, no, there are not. And my, my view on that, I'm a Protestant, I believe that's the right view. I don't believe there are relics, so to speak, and I believe that's intentional. But depending on, probably mainly Catholics might disagree with that statement and say that there are certain things that are retain a vestige of originality in Christianity.
1: Um. This question says, the Pope has stated that the God of Abraham is the same as the God of Muhammad. Is this the common viewpoint of most respectable Christian theologians?
0: Yes. The question is, uh, do they have the same God? Let me hold that till we get to answer that question, but I'll specifically answer that. That's a good question. In fact, this is the time, this is the lesson to answer that question. So, What I just gave you is a little snapshot, and I'd like to go into more detail and tie each one of these religions to world events. And I want you to make some connections with what they believe, their belief system about the nature of reality. I mean, every one of these has a little different view of where you came from, you meaning where humanity came from, what humanity's purpose is, what are you trying to do here, what the nature of the world is. Is there anything beyond this world? or not, and then they're gonna disagree about that. What is the nature of good and evil? Some acts are good in one religion and evil in other religions. So I want you to understand they each unique, and so you're gonna see that play out in the world. So let me take you to a chart, and I showed you this last time. This is just summing it up geographically. So you can kind of see where these various religions, they tend to be largely, I mean, This is not saying that there aren't people of all religions in various places, but these are the major concentrations of where these major religions are, kind of color-coded, and I think that, that helps. So let's talk about first big picture. Our two questions were, do all religions essentially worship the same God? You may hold that opinion if you want, but I will say this. None of the major religions think they worship the same God's. In other words, if you look at Buddhism, you can't make even a reasonable case that they worship the same gods as Islam, for example. Buddhism doesn't have gods. They don't even have the same worldview. In other words, they don't have the same creation story. They don't have the same idea about good and evil. So I'm not making a value judgment. I'm just saying it's hard to believe that given the face of the evidence that the religions don't think that. And in fact, it would be very hard to figure out how they do worship the same God, big picture. They say no. Are their beliefs compatible? Obviously not. And I don't mean that in a shallow way. What I mean is the na- what they believe about the nature of reality is radically different. For example, if you are Jewish, you think there's one God. If you are Hindu, you think there are a lot of divinities. If you are Jewish, You think you've got one shot at life. If you're Hindu, you are trapped in a cycle of death and rebirth. I'm just trying to, you see, when you put it all together like that, you realize, wait a minute, that that doesn't even make any sense. Their beliefs are radically different about the nature of reality itself. So no, they do not appear to be a reasonable statement. Everybody's just worshiping the same God, they just call it something different. Oh, the differences are far bigger than that. And are their beliefs compatible? Well. That's not the same question as can we live in peace. The point is, are their beliefs, can they be merged together? They can't. They have such radically different views of the world. But let's go back to that one specific question. The Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Do they worship the same God? There is a difference of opinion. Let me confine myself to Christian scholars on this. So Christian scholars have a difference of opinion. Having said that, that means absolutely nothing. You get two scholars, you get three opinions. I mean, it's the way it works, right? So of course, there's a different point of view. I wanna look at it from this point of view. The preponderance of scholars, in my view, and historically, people would say, no, we do not worship the same God. I will give you this, let me, let me put it this way. This is the way I tend to look at it. So you're getting my view of best, as best I understand it. I believe that Muhammad and consequently Muslims who are true to that tradition believe they worship the same God as the Christians do and as the Jews do. I believe that they think and Muhammad thought he was talking to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that's who was speaking to him. So I believe that they believe it is the same God. Reading the Quran reading the New Testament, those are definitely not the same God. Is that fair? Do You see how clever that was? <laughs> no. If you read the Quran, read the New Testament, in my view, those are not the same God. But do they believe that this is the same God? Yes, they do, and I understand that, and I respect that. But I do not believe those documents are talking about the same being. So, good question. So, next question. Here's the big question. Is, do all religions really worship the same God, just put a different name? Apparently and obviously not. They don't even all worship one God, any God, multiple gods. Second question, are they compatible? No, their view of the world is is radically different. You couldn't say, look, I was a Christian, and, you know, I might as well be a Hindu, because they're all going the same place. You're going to change everything you believe about the nature of reality. I mean, it's it's a radically different worldview shift. So no, they're really not compatible. I don't mean that as a value judgment. I just, yeah, no, they really aren't the same. They're not all the same. Third question is, does it matter? As long as you end up producing people who have mutual respect for each other, who want to live in peace with each other, does it make any difference which religion you have? Now, first of all, that's a projection of a belief system, by the way. In other words, I know this is gonna sound kinda crazy, but that question even presumes that the highest good is to have mutual respect, peace with one another. Not all the people in the world believe that. Now you and I might go, hey, that's a good thing. That may not be the highest good, We as Christians believe the highest good is submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ, being saved by grace through faith. Oh, that's the eternal highest good. We might just say, but that's a good. That's a good with a little g. We should respect each other and live in peace. I agree with that. I'm just telling you, not everybody in the world does. So that question presupposes a belief system that that's the highest good. But even so, let's take it at its value and say, okay, that's at least a good thing. Does it make any difference? I'm going to suggest to you that it does. I'm going to talk philosophically, then I'm going to get concrete. So philosophically, the fact that different religions, and I'm including Darwinism in this, in fact, Darwinism is a poster child of this, is believe such radically different things about the nature of humanity, your purpose, where you came from, the meaning and value of your life, They believe such radically different things about what is good and what is evil that in the long run, it makes a huge difference in what you believe. These religions matter. You see it happening all through the world today. They matter not just because people won't get along with each other, not just because we can't coexist, they matter because they have radically divergent views of the nature of the reality and what we're even trying to do here. They are so different that it really matters. We'll talk more about what would it take to live in peace, but the question is, does it matter which God you you worship? Yes, they're not even trying to do the same things. In other words, Different people aren't trying to go to heaven. Buddhists aren't trying to go to heaven. Christians are not trying to merge themselves with the ultimate consciousness in the world. Christians are actually completely different than Buddhists in that Christians are not trying to stop all suffering in their life. In fact, the New Testament says, if you don't have any suffering, you can't follow Christ. Buddhists go, oh, you're nuts. Our whole purpose in life is to stop suffering. They're radically different uh, worldviews and they diverge. Which brings me to something maybe a little more specific. Let me flesh this out a little bit. Are in the news this time, when there's so many things to pick from. I wanna talk about Kim Jong-un at some point. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not worried that he'll quit doing crazy things before I get to it. But, <laughs> and that's sad, I wish. But this is Houston. I mean, I know you all recognize that. And I wanna talk about this for just a minute as a, as, as a little archetype of something. What happened in Houston is a tragedy, and tragedies happen in this world. And by the way, different religions will explain why tragedies happen in different ways. In other words, if you ask me why does this happen, I'll tell you, it's a broken world. God doesn't want floods to kill people. We live in a fallen, broken world. That's a very Christian idea. That is not shared by other religions. They would have a very different view on why these kinds of things happen. But one of the things you see when this happens is you see the best, sometimes the worst too, but you see a lot of the best in humanity. It is a great example. It's kind of the highest example of seeing people. For example, are there Muslims in Houston who are helping there pick something? Hindu neighbors, I absolutely believe that that is happening. Are there Darwinists there who are helping You know, they're Christian neighbors. I absolutely believe that that is happening. I think when you get down on that level and you get to a crisis point like this, you begin to see people for a moment look past things and begin to see people for who they are. But if you think about this as a general thing, I just wanna ask you this simple question. I just want you to think about it. I'm not gonna give you any stats or anything because I'm really trying not to be too partisan about this, although I'm clearly Christian. i have absolutely unapologetic about that. I believe that is true. But if you think about this happening around the world, and it has, I want you to think back and I want you to think who shows up in these kinds of situations. I'm not telling you there aren't people of all religions that probably show up in some way or another. Who is, and I'm not talking about governments, Who is going into the world into situations like that? I want you to think about that a little bit. I want you to look in the news and just pay attention to who shows up when these things happen. And I think you're gonna see, you begin to see a difference in the world views of these different religions because not all of the religions would answer these questions alike. This situation, you see some really good answers to this question, but that is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Remember, Jesus asked that. Who should I risk my life for? Who should I take some of my hard-earned money and give it to them and they've never done anything for me? Who should I be actively concerned about their welfare even though they're not related to me? They're not even Christian. Who is my neighbor? How different religions define the answer to that question begins to diverge. It matters what you believe. Some religions feel an obligation to go here. I'm not talking about just Houston, I'm talking about that. We know that we as Christians have been told, who is my neighbor? Everybody is my neighbor. In other words, I'm called to do good, to insofar as it is possible, live at peace with everyone, and do good to everyone, especially the family of believers. In other words, that's unique. That's not in all of these religions. The second question is, do individuals matter? Different religions are going to answer that question very differently. For example, in Hindus, you have a very strict caste system. And they're basically, I want to say, and I realize there are probably some Hindus are going to disagree with it, but if you look at Hindu society and you look at Hindu teaching, some people matter more than others. Some people are different than others. If you look at it from a Darwinist point of view, some people are not as useful to society as others. And in fact, in our culture right now, that Darwinist faith system, you see, and just watch when you read the paper, you see a very much a devaluing of the unborn and a devaluing of the elderly. If you notice what's going on in our country, and I'm I'm making the point about the inevitable outworking of a faith system, is we have widespread abortion, we are seeing euthanasia, start to move across our country. You see it in Europe, you're seeing it here. I'm gonna argue, and actually, this is not a hard argument to make, that reflects a belief system about the value of human beings, whose relative value. Christianity, you have the image of God. If we are true to our faith, if we're true to what we believe, everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone holds equal worth before God. Not everybody is equal in ability or looks or whatever, but everyone is equal in that they bear the image of God. We are taught, love your enemy. That doesn't mean feel kindly toward your enemy. That means if you can, do good even for your enemy. In other words, if that happened somewhere where we were at war or those people didn't like us, and by the way, in a couple of weeks, you're gonna hear from some Christians who are doing this very thing into countries that hate us. That's a very Christian thing to do. Pray for those who persecute you. You're not going to see that in any other religion than Christianity. My point to you is, does it matter what you believe? In fact, it matters a great deal what you believe because when it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road, there are going to be differences in the world views of these different religions. That's going to lead to very different ways of looking at Fundamental questions about the dignity of human beings. Who is my neighbor? To whom do I owe kindness or goodness? Do individuals matter? Does everybody matter the same? Those questions get answered very differently by the different religions. Okay? Hopefully that was useful to see a snapshot so that we could know enough to compare them Do we all worship the same God? The religions would say no. We all go in the same place? They would say, we're not even trying to go the same place. We're not even trying to do the same thing. And does it matter what you believe? Well, I would argue that some of these are true, and some of this may not be true. But even setting that aside, obviously there are radically different consequences of what you believe you will see groups of different religions behave very differently. And in future lessons, we're gonna dive into that and start looking at how. And I think we'll just take it right off the front page of of the newspapers and begin to understand some of the reasons these things are happening are the inevitable outworking of this faith or belief system. So next time, a deeper dive into Islam. Everything you wanted to know about Islam And trust me, we won't have any trouble finding a headline. (laughs) I'll see you guys next week.